Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Hey, y'all, we're back. After a two-week hiatus, um, if you listened to my last episode, you know that we were mourning the loss of two amazing, great men in our lives. And I just wanted to take a two-week mental health break. But now we're back, and we're better than ever. And we're starting off this Sunday with the first Sunday Inspirational. Um, I have several more that I've already recorded that will be coming up um, tomorrow. You want to make sure that you check out um, and listen, because I am chatting with the uh, author of the unofficial Hocus Pocus cookbook, which if you're a Hocus Pocus fan, um, this is a cookbook that you will definitely want to get because you can create some recipes and host a party for that. So with that said, I'm back. I'm ready to go. Um, there may be a few little bleeps and bloops that you may listen to because some of these were pre-recorded episodes, but um, I just want to leave you with this one little word. Um, please hold your loved ones closer. Let people know how much you really appreciate them, how much they mean to you before they, they're they gone because once they're gone and if it's someone that you greatly admire, you can't tell them. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Katie Trent. Uh, full disclosure, I am part of her launch team. She wrote a book called Dishing Up Devotionals, um, which is really cool. So it's about homeschooling and about being a wife and a mom. But of course, if you're not a wife or a mom or a homeschooler, it can still apply to you um, because God's word applies to everybody. So hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm back. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I invite virtually people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. And as part of our Sunday Inspirational series, I am joined by Katie, who just wrote a book that's actually coming out in October. So we're getting a sneak peek here called Dishing Up Devotion. So Katie, before we get talking about your book, talk about who you are. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. And I have to say, I think that your intro is probably one of my all-time favorite intros. So it makes me smile every time that I see it. Uh, my name's Katie J. Trent. I am an author, speaker, homeschool mama. I've been married to my husband for 16 years now. I joke he was my 20th birthday present. Uh, so that was a fun story for another day. But we have been together. We've lived a crazy life. We've been in ministry really since we got saved in 2007. Um, so it's been a whirlwind uh, from Idaho to Arizona now and a million moves in between, but we just love people and we love inspiring others. My whole passion is really to equip women to grow their faith, strengthen their family and simplify their homeschool. And so we have two young kiddos, eight and six, my daughter Kendra and my son Jordan. And yeah, that's us in a nutshell. We live in the hot desert. Um, I was pretty sure God was sending me here to die because I got heat stroke in Idaho. Um, so it seemed like a really cool, cruel joke from God. But we actually found that I love Arizona. It immediately felt like home. And so, yeah, we love it here. So all these moves and everything, is it wasn't God led you to move all these places? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started out in ministry, about two years into ministry, and we were, I mean, we were baby Christians. My husband was as rough around the edges as you could possibly get coming out of a life of like gangs and drugs and just all sorts of things. But we had a pastor who really just saw the call of God on our lives and helped nurture that. And so within two years, really, of getting saved, we found ourselves moving across the state and taking a youth pastor's position. 
And then from there, he just continued to lead us. And each move that we've made has been really pivotal in our walk and has led us on an amazing journey that has really grown our faith. And that's really where Grow Your Faith ministry has come from, is just learning what does it mean to fully surrender our lives to God and how do we trust him through that? And so I can't imagine now any other way to live than to just live fully surrendered with a complete yes. So when did that, what was that? Was there one particular incident that made you decide, okay, I have to surrender everything to God? Or was it just, like you said, a sum total of all this together? Yeah, I'd love to say that it was just because I'm an amazing person and I was just on fire for God, but it actually came out of a really broken season. My husband was in a position where he was really miserable for about a four-month period of time. Uh, He was really just going through some trials and not feeling the presence of God the way he had before. So he was praying, you know, really to die. I mean, he was like, God, if if I can't feel your presence, I don't want to live this life. He was really in a hard season. And for myself, I was in my best season. I had gotten to slow down a little bit for the first time. I was finishing my master's degree. I was baking. And just it was a very refreshing season for me. And we went away for a quick anniversary trip and we met with a pastor that we knew a little bit, but not well. And he was just speaking some encouragement over us. And he spoke over my husband first. And then he turned to me and he said, I feel like God wants you to hold on to the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which if you're familiar with it, great. If not, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And in that moment, I thought to myself, like, man, he just blew it. That word was for my husband, James. Like he's praying to die. I'm living my best life. Like I don't need to trust God. Like I'm doing great. Right. Mm -hmm. And so unbeknownst to us, we came back from that trip where we had spent the last little bit that we had in savings. And my husband was fired from his job. We Mm -hmm. were living in staff housing and told that we had two weeks to get out. We had nowhere to go. We knew not what to do. And I was very much at the time a planner. I relied on my own strength. I was independent. I was still figuring out like, who is God? And to be honest, I think my husband was more of a God to me really than uh, God was because I really leaned on him and his background of faith to help me with mine. And so here we were. And in had that scripture not been given to me, I think I would have just melted. But because God had spoken that word to me, I knew that he saw me and I knew that he had me and I knew we could trust him and that he really wanted us to have nothing to lean on but him. And so that was where our journey began is just being able to say, "Okay, God, I see you and I trust you. And so we took time to pray and packed up what little we had and we felt led we were supposed to go to another community. It was actually where we had originally started ministry in, but we knew we weren't supposed to be part of those ministries. And so we were just walking through, what do you have for us? But in that time, we moved to the city in little U-Haul. And within 48 hours of having no job, no way to pay for the full deposit or, you know, anything like that, God had made a way for us in just miraculous ways. We actually ended up living in Faith Landing on Noah Drive. And it, I mean, like, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it was just amazing the way he did it. We met with the manager and my husband had to leave for a job interview. We couldn't provide proof of income because we had none. We were very upfront. Uh, and he just, he made a way for us. We got to pay the deposit and two payments later on. We only had to pay a small amount because it wasn't, it was like middle of the month, you know, toward the end of the month. And he ended up getting that job. But that was really the beginning of the journey where I 
God showed himself faithful and I knew that I could trust him. And from there, we've just continued to take deeper leaps of faith and say, I'm going to trust you even when it's hard, even when it's ugly, even when it's messy and it doesn't make sense. I know that you're going to see me through it. So what would you say to people that are struggling right now and don't see that God sees them? Because luckily you had that pastor speak over you, that Proverbs verses, but some people don't have that. What would you say? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is that your Bible is filled with so many promises. And really, it's a journey of discovery of who God is and who you are. And so as you begin to dive into your Bible, it's amazing how you will find a word that will fill your heart and comfort your soul in a way that a, your best friend in the world couldn't, because the word really is alive and active. And so I'd say get in the word and just spend time with God. Just I worship. That's a big part for me is I, I'm a terrible singer. Like if you're next to me in church, I'm sorry, I can't clap on beat. Uh, but I am constantly playing worship music and just because so many of the worship songs are filled with the promises of God, you're getting that in you that way. And then just knowing that sometimes, and I think the important part of that verse in Proverbs, and I would encourage you to take it for yourself too, is lean not on your own understanding. So someone close to us just died, or my child has cancer, or I'm getting a divorce, or there's all these big, horrible, hard things. We've been through it. We've been through the most horrific betrayals in church. We have been through deaths and loss and uh, everything you can imagine, losing jobs, you name it, homelessness, like we've been there. So I can say that no matter what you're facing, God is still a good God and he still promises to work it out for your good. And you might be thinking, how is that possible? But I always go back to the life of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, which seemed horrible, right? He worked really hard and had a good thing going in Potiphar's house. And then he was accused of something he didn't do and thrown in prison. And all the while thinking like he was innocent, he was blameless, he did nothing wrong. And yet he spent so many years of his life going through the most horrific struggles mm -hmm. you can imagine. And yet all of those things were growing in him a faith that he would need to sustain him and a nation. And through that, God really did work it out for good. So that is one of those stories that for me in our life has really encouraged us as well. It's just knowing that God is for you and he really is a good God and he wants to be with you. Even he's not afraid of your mess. You know, you can scream mm -hmm. at God. You can cuss at God. Mm -hmm. You can just be real. Like you don't have to put on any pretense. He loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. And when you embrace that and just kind of let your walls down, you'd be amazed at what he does in your life. Yeah, I will say a lot of people think that they have to put on a pretense, even though God sees us be out of that pretense. So how do we stop that? How do we say, okay, we need to be real with people. We need to be real, not only with God, but with other people as well to be authentic and not be okay to be authentic and be vulnerable. Yeah. I think it starts with being real with yourself, you know, just, not being afraid. Maybe it's that you stand in front of the mirror and you just look at yourself and say, I'm broken. You know, maybe you have a close friend that you can share that with. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's taking time in prayer and just saying it with God, but just taking those steps. And then when you feel yourself putting the walls back up, because we all do it, right? We feel that pressure from outside to perform. And so it's, it's a daily battle to surrender. I mean, I've been in this Christian walk now uh, for a long time. And I still have to remind myself 
to be real and to surrender and to share my struggles. Mm -hmm. I used to think that you had to have it all together. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that you draw close to God, the more broken you realize you are. And you realize God wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to die for our sins if we could have done it on our own. And so when we can just humble ourselves and say, like, I cannot do this without you. That is the beauty of our relationship with Jesus is that he comes in and does what we couldn't. That is so true. Now, we're going to need to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, I want you to read part of your Dishing Up Devotions because I think that's really cool. I'm so excited to be. Full disclosure, I am on Katie's launch team. So I am so excited about that. So we're going to be right back after this brief commercial break. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Hi, my name is Joanna, and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of Shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. We go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, we believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, we have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways, and we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, we have big plans, more we'd like to do, um, and we would appreciate any support, either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to shoresofgrace.com, and in the menu, click on Donate. And we just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you. And we are back chatting with Katie J. Trent, who wrote the book, Dishing Up Devotions. And Katie, you're going to read part of one of your devotions, correct? Absolutely. So I'm going to read to you from Loving. This is chapter seven. Uh, and the verse is out of 1 Corinthians 13, one through three. I'm not going to read the verse. I'll let you go through that. But I'll just give you a little snippet of what you can expect. As moms, the choices we make are compelled by our indescribable love for our children. We sacrifice sleep privacy, who wants to shower or poop alone anyway, physical needs, and so much more, all in the name of love. Homeschooling requires additional sacrifices, but also provides many more opportunities to put our love into action daily. My daughter struggled to learn to read. We spent months sitting at our table as she agonizingly attempted to sound out each letter and form the words aloud. There were tears and some shouting. One day, instead of sitting at the table, I called her to the couch and cuddled her in my lap as we worked through the lesson. It's amazing what that simple act of love did for her. Instead of dreading our reading lessons, she grew to enjoy them. I also showed love later by taking turns reading lines with her. And just like that, our most dreaded subject became our favorite, simply because love inspired my behavior in words. Jesus Christ's love for us compelled him to action. He didn't just preach about love. He tangibly demonstrated it in every encounter. Jesus taught us how to extend grace and mercy to even the most unlovable. We want to teach our kids to express that love of Christ to others daily. But how? Love begins within us. 
and to learn more, you'll have to get the book. Wow. That is really, so why did you decide to write the book? You, you know, this is really fun. So I actually, this is my second and a half book that I've ever written, but it'll be the first book that I have published. So I started out with one book that was a nonfiction book about identifying and nurturing our children's spiritual gifts and just really like a parenting focus. And then I started another book that's all about transitions and how do we thrive through seasons of transition. As we mentioned, I do a lot of transitioning. And so I started, I knew that the Lord had spoken to me that I was supposed to traditionally publish. And so I pursued that route. And as I went through that, I actually met my current agent now at a writer's conference and I pitched these other two books to her and she loved me. There was such a God connection. We had a conversation, but I had no, as they would call it, platform. I don't speak to millions of people. I don't have this big church or anything where people would hear about me. So I'm pretty unknown. And so in the publishing market today, you really have to have a platform in order to sell books because it's the authors that are reaching the people and letting them know it's not the publishers the way it used to be. And so we started talking and just kind of putting our heads together. And she, you know, had looked at my website and said, okay, you're passionate about homeschooling and baking. You know, how can we make something that readers would want? And so as I started praying, God just immediately gave me this download of what I wanted to do. And it came together so naturally, much easier than either of the other two books that I was writing. And I found that it was fun. And as I did it, my passion for faith building, I realized that that's really the core of who I am is I want to help families know that faith building can and should be fun. And so that was really what inspired the book. And we started going and then we got a publisher and here we are today. And so how long did it take you to write Dishing Up Devotions? So I met my agent in July of 2019. And so probably within a month or it was within that month. Yeah, because I had another conference I pitched to. So I started writing in July of 2019. And then we started, I signed with her later in that year. And then we started pitching it to publishers as I was continuing to write. And so I think um, it probably took me about six months or so maybe a little bit longer to write the devotions. I was writing them as we were pitching. And then um, longer the pandemic hit, we were actually meeting with Whitaker House uh, back in March and then everything shut down and they said, oh, we have to put a pin in this. And then it wasn't until uh, I think September or something later that year that they wanted to take another look at it. So it's been a very long process for it, but I know that God's timing is perfect and I'm so excited to be in this season now where we're just over a month away from people actually getting it in their hands. And I will have to say, like, I'm so proud of this product. The team at Whitaker House did a phenomenal job. It's beautiful and it's such, such a practical, simple and inexpensive resource for families to really do this in a different way. Now, you mentioned that you were all ready to go in March and then the pandemic hit. So how did you, with your faith, how were you able to come to terms with that? Because you're like, I'm ready to go. I'm raring to go. And then all of a sudden that happens. You know, it was really hard that it was actually March 17th. It was um, St. Patrick's Day. They were meeting and I thought for sure, I just felt like Whitaker House is it. I know it. And so when they came back with that, it was very discouraging, but yet 
I was like, okay, maybe it's not them. And so I didn't really have a breakdown until I met with another, I did a conference, like a virtual conference in July, and I pitched to another publisher and I loved the conversation with this editor. She was phenomenal. Uh, and I really felt good about where it could go. And when I got the no that they weren't going to do it, I broke down. I mean, I spent hours sobbing into the pillow, just feeling like, what am I doing? Is this still the path that God has for me? Is this really where I'm supposed to go? Because writing is not easy. It is very time consuming. It's a long term trajectory. I mean, I've been full time working on this writing career since 2017. And I started writing my first book in 2013. So this has been a long journey. And I just had this brokenness of God, if this isn't your best for me, I don't want it. Like mm -hmm. I will do something else, but I don't want to waste my life chasing something if it's not all that you have for me. And so I prayed and I asked some close friends to pray with me. And I just put a pause on writing and trying to build a platform. And I just said, like, I'm going to sit with God and I'm going to make sure this is where we're going in the future. And I ended up being a blog because, right, what do writers do? We write. So I <laughs> shared my heart in a blog um, and I felt that peace. And so then I, I found I couldn't escape it. I'm always creating. I love creating resources. So, you know, I just got back into those things. And then it was, you know, within two months that I heard back from Whitaker House and they were wanting to move forward. So I feel like it was really that pl that place of surrender again of, do you trust me? Am I good? Do you want what I have for you? Are you going to strive and struggle and try and do it on your own? Or will you let it be in my timing? And so it was a great, I feel so good now knowing that I really redefined why am I doing it? Who am I doing it for? Um, and really help to refocus my priorities. Now you just talked about who are you doing it for? So let's talk about who are you doing it for? What is your demographic for this particular book? Yeah. So this book is actually primarily for homeschooling moms. I really have a heart for homeschooling moms. I'm a homeschool mom uh, and I want to equip them with the tools to really intentionally disciple their kids. I think when you look at the state of the world, it's a mess and we've got to do something different. And I found that what I love about this book too, is even if you don't homeschool, but you just want a simple, inexpensive resource to build your family's faith, you're going to love it. The devotion parts that are for mom have some conversations and things that allude to homeschooling. But then each devotion actually has a, a prayer and kind of an affirmation to encourage you. And then it has a family activity, a family faith building activity for instilling that godly character in your kids and your family. I really talk a lot about it's not about doing something, just focusing on your kids, but how do we come together as a family and build meaningful memories that we attach to our faith? And so it's got that and it's got conversation starters. I call them baking buddies because they talk, um, there's a recipe, a beautiful color recipe in each of the devotions. And so it's an object lesson to, you know, what does it mean to be set apart to really take something that's so broad and mm -hmm. um, abstract and really make it concrete and tangible. And so that's really what excites me about it is it's something that even if you don't homeschool, but you say, I want to take the time I have with my kids and I want to be intentional and I want to help them grow up to be the leaders that are going to change the world that we're living in. Then this book is something that you're going to love. So I love the fact that you're saying this is for something that for moms who want to stay to change the way 
to show kids how they can change the world. Because a lot of par parents are really like during COVID, especially they're like, I'm over this. I'm over my kids being around, you know, and they need a lot of patience. They need a lot of discipline as well, because their kids are like, are, well, now they're back at school, but I'm pretty sure we're going to end up having them home again. So they're really knowing what homeschooling is all about. Yes, absolutely. And I will say that what parents experienced during the pandemic is what we would call crisis schooling. It is not anything mm -hmm. like homeschooling. So if you've thought like, oh, I could never do that. Let me just assure you that that is not homeschooling. That is so much harder than homeschooling because in homeschooling, you're the boss. In homeschooling, you get to say, who are my kids and what do they need and what do I need and how can we be flexible and adapt this to meet our needs as a family? And it changes day by day and week by week. And even when you're using a curriculum, you're the boss of the curriculum. Like it works for you. So if something doesn't work, you throw it out. If you don't finish it, doesn't matter right? And so it's very different. So if you are interested in homeschooling, you can always reach out to me. I would love to talk with you and encourage you because as moms, we can feel inadequate in every area of our life. Why mm -hmm. We all struggle with feelings of inadequacy. But the truth is, is that God gave you your children and you are your child's first and best teacher. You taught them to talk and walk and potty train and all the things. And yet somehow we feel that we're not equipped to go further, but really we are, and you can do it. So if it's something that you feel a nudge from the Lord, I just want to encourage you that you can homeschool. Now, what made you decide to homeschool? That's a great question. You know, I never planned to homeschool. I knew one homeschooling family when we were youth pastors. Um, they were the weird kids, like what you think typical homeschooling, mm -hmm. you know, I never planned for that. And actually, I took a job as an elementary school counselor when my daughter was young. She was in, she was three, she was in a Montessori preschool at the time. And it was through that year of being in the schools and really seeing what it's like for the Lord to really nudge me that there was a better way and a better plan that he had for our family. And I saw in it, I saw amazing teachers who really, they're such servants. They pour their hearts and lives out into these kids, but they're the first to tell you that the system is broken, broken. and that it's not conducive or effective to what their heart is or what the students need. And I saw whether the kids were the smartest kid in the class or the kids that struggled the most, they were all lacking in some area. There was so much that was missed opportunity. And I began to really see too that um, that intentional discipleship, you know, the world and in a classroom setting, a lot of the creativity and gifts and talents that the Lord has put in our kids are actually stifled in that environment. They're not encouraged or nurtured. And God began to break my heart for that and know that I wanted my kids to embrace, you know, my daughter is very creative, very artsy, um, walking is an extreme sport for her, but creating <laughs> is not. She can do anything. And so having that opportunity, or she's very well-spoken, and she's very opinionated, and she's very strong in her convictions. And the world would tell her to sit down and be quiet, but I want to nurture that. So does she need to move from immature to mature? Absolutely. But as a homeschool mom, I get to do that. And so that was really where God began to stir my heart. And I had my husband and I had to have conversations because at the time he was doing ministry really unpaid and I was the one bringing in the money for our family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was like, what? You want to homeschool, quit your job 
pay to homeschool? You know, what is this about? And so we had to really look at it. But the more we prayed, the more we realized that for our family, we wanted to be the primary voice in their life. And we wanted to really intentionally teach the things that were important to us and help shape their worldview in a way that we wouldn't get the opportunity if we sent them to a school. So how did you balance homeschooling with writing your books? I think the way you do with anyone, I know a lot of parents work full time or, you know, things like that. There's a lot of things that we juggle in life. And so it's carving out time. You know, we always say like, I don't have enough time, but the truth is we're all given the exact same amount of time and we are required to steward that well. And so we have to decide what's important to us. And so first off, I have the most amazingly supportive husband. He was so great. He believed in me. He would take the kids to the grocery store for an hour or two at night to let them run around and I would write. He would take them sometimes on a Saturday to the park day and I would write. I got up early to write or I stayed up late to write and I just did it in the chunks of time I have. I never get, you know, I know people go on retreats or things like that. I don't have that luxury. And so for me, it was just saying this matters and I'm going to work at it, even if it's half an hour while my kids are eating lunch or, you know, the carving it out in the spaces between. So it really is just saying this matters. Wow. Cause I mean, you said earlier that it took you a while to write it because you had already started two other books and then you met with the, your agent and said, okay, we're going to start this book. What was the final thought or moment when you said, okay, I'm going to write this particular book and I'm going to stop and pause the other two? Yeah, I actually had a real fork in the road moment because I met with my the first agent in July and she said, hey, you know, work on this book and then we'll see. She didn't say she would sign me like she had to see the product before she would make that decision. And a few weeks later, I had another conference where I was pitching to other agents and I was pitching the original The Winds of Change book on transition was actually what I was pitching to them. And so I pitched that there, but I did a quick one sheet, which is just like some information Mm -hmm. and a little sample that I did. So I went to that conference and I shared a little bit about both of them. And I met an agent at the second conference who was interested in the book on transition. And so at that moment, he wanted to see the proposal. And I had to really pray and say, which direction do I feel the Lord leading me? Because they're going to take me on two very different paths. And so that was where I had, I spent a lot of time praying and saying, what do I want where do I feel like the Lord is leading me? And ultimately I felt like the connection was there with the other agent and the opportunity to really do something unique and special. And so I went the direction of the homeschool devotional and obviously I ended up getting it published. And so, you know, you see the hand of the Lord in that, but it was, it was a very agonizing decision to pray and really make sure that I felt comfortable. And I still had doubts as I went through the process of, is this right? Um, And I know eventually I'll probably publish the other books, but even that, you know, are probably going to shift because I helped to narrow down who I was really writing for. Mm -hmm. And so that has shifted a lot over the last two years. You just answered the next question I was going to ask you about. What about the other two books? Were you ever going to finish them? (laughs) Yes. And I'm in, I was hoping because the traditional publishing route is a long game. I was hoping to have a proposal to my publisher. They want first right of refusal, which means they want the chance to offer a contract before anyone else would. Um, And so I was hoping before 
this book was launched that I would have that to them and we could start a process. But this book launch has been very time consuming and we moved in the midst of it and we're planting a church in the midst of it and all these things have come up. And so I haven't had that time, but in it, I'm still really praying of which book should be next and what direction I should go. I find myself talking more and more about that parenting book and how do we nurture our children and uniquely as they've been created. So it might be that, and it might be another thing kind of similar to this. I have an idea about kind of life lessons for kids with a similar structure. So pray with me because I'm not sure yet which will be next. I love that. But you're open to all the, the possibilities. Yes. Now you mentioned earlier about finding the agent and getting the publisher that's kind of unusual for a lot of new writers to be able to find a publishing house. So let's talk about that journey. Absolutely. It was very unique. And I would say that it's something that's hard and it might seem like, oh, wow, she's, you know, a new author and she was able to get this and make this happen. But really, when you look at the first book I started writing was in 2013. And in 2000, I had a baby. So like, and then another baby. So it got pushed aside. But in 2017 was where I really felt that nudge from the Lord that it's time to finish this. And so I finished that book and I began to research the different ways to publish like traditional or self-publishing or hybrid publishers where you pay them and, you know, they help out. And as I prayed, I really felt the Lord tell me that it was the traditional publishing route that I was supposed to go. And so that was what I did. And I sent um, proposals to some agents and I got some rejections. But really, I think for me, had I not gone to those writing conferences, I'm not sure that I would have seen the journey through because in those writing conferences, I was so inspired. You know, Gary Thomas spoke at one and he shared that he had eight years of straight rejections, I think 120 or something rejections that he had before he got his book published. And now he's a multi-million selling book author he's all over but you think of the endurance that he had to have in order to do it i don't know many people who after eight years and 120 straight rejections would still be doing it like i would have quit a lot sooner and said this is not what god has for me but so he persevered through that and now you see the fruit of that he became a much better writer he honed his message and you know he's really focused in that. And there were so many other testimonies, you know, Robin Jones Gunn shared, um, but I was so inspired. And I think for me, that helped me through this season of trying to find an agent. Many of you might get a lot of rejections. And I think just recognizing that it really isn't about the right person in the right time with the right project. And when those things come together, then the rules go out the window. Because in the publishing industry, people will tell you, well, you've got to have X amount of email subscribers or this big of a platform or this or that. But the truth is when the right time and the right place and the right project comes along, those rules go out the window. And so for me, I think I had maybe less than 2,500 email subscribers when Whitaker House signed me and I didn't have a huge platform, but I had a great idea with good writing and I had been working hard and I had a network of people and that was really what helped me to get that is and then having someone believe in it you know you've got to have an agent who sees it and believes in it and can help you sell it and then you have to have somebody in the publishing house who sees that and can go because it's a whole process now you just mentioned your agent you already mentioned that there was like two agents that you were like in contact with so how do you go about finding agents and things like that for people that are listening 
Yeah. So first off, there's an amazing resource that's called the Christian Market Writer's Guide. Christian Guide. Something, I'm probably butchered that, but if you Google it, you'll find it. Uh, but so that lists all of the agents, publishers, magazines. It has everything. I do the online subscription because then for $10 a year, I have updated information. Um, but so you start there and you go to their websites. I did a lot of research. You look at what they're looking for. You can have a great agent, but if they don't want to have anything to do with devotional writing, then you don't want to waste your time sending something to them because it's not a good fit. So you've got to do research and you've got to find out that and kind of their style. Sometimes you can reach out to one of their clients and find out what is their style because everybody's different. And I feel very fortunate. My agent was newer into agenting, uh, but she had a very similar faith to mine and she believed for the impossible. And I think that was a big part of our journey is that she prayed with me every step of the way and she believed in me and we walked through those things together. And so that's really where you go. And then you just keep trying until you connect with the right person. Now, you mentioned several times of having a network that believe in you and people that believe in you and how important that is. So let's talk about how important that was for you, because, of course, you'll get you're going to get discouraged when you're writing. You get rejected and rejected. So talk about the importance of having that. Yes. In any endeavor you have in life, you have to have people that you can go to. I have people that I reach out to for prayer. I'm not posting on social media every woe that I have, but I have people that I trust that I know when I say, hey, I need prayer. They're not going to just say, oh, I'll be praying for you, but they're actually going to pray and they're going to encourage me. And so those people may be from church or a mops group or your neighbors or your family, um, whoever it may be, but you've got to find your people. And for me, I also joined organizations to help me. So I joined, I'm not in Oregon, but it's kind of close. So I'm part of the Oregon Christian Writers Association. That's one of the conferences that I went to. um, And they were a big part of it. Some of those people have been instrumental when I had a question, I could reach out to them. I'm also a member of Hope Writers. And so I have a hope circle. So when I said like I was ready to quit, it was my hope circle that I reached out to and said, guys, like, I'm, I need help. I need prayer. I'm not sure what I'm doing. And so there's all sorts of ways that you can do that. I did Jerry Jenkins writing guild when I first started, um, which helped me a lot as well. So each part of my journey, those people have poured into me and helped refine my writing and encouraged me along the way. So have you in turn been able to pour in and encourage other people? Absolutely. That is probably my favorite thing. I, when somebody tells me even kind of in a passing, like, oh, I might write a book someday. I'm always encouraging them to do it because I really believe that God has put something so unique and special in each one of us. And there's stories and testimonies that the world needs to hear. And so I love encouraging and inspiring other writers. Uh, I email people, people reach out to me, we talk. Um, I love it. So I'm always, I look at people's proposals or give them feedback on things because I just really believe that we have to link arms. And the thing I love about being a Christian author, I'm not sure that it could be said of authors in general, but as a Christian author, there is such an amazingly supportive community where we all see value in one another Mm -hmm. and we all believe in the call of God on each other's life. And so it's not a competition. It's not like if I succeed, then you're going to fail. And so I need to fail for you to succeed. And so it really is just a beautiful testimony of the love of God working through people that you can link arms with other believers and inspire and encourage and support one another, be that iron sharpening iron. I love that. So 
I didn't ask you this in the talking points, but sometimes on our Sunday inspirational series, I ask the speaker to pray for the people that are listening. Would you be willing to say a prayer? Absolutely. I would love to. Father God, I thank you so much for every person that's listening to this conversation, Lord. We may not know where they're at, but you know exactly where they're at. You knit them together in their mother's womb, and no matter what they're facing today, you have a plan and a purpose for them, a plan to prosper them, a plan to give them a hope and a future. And I pray, Lord, that you would comfort them, that you would wrap your arms of love around them, that they would see your beauty and your wonder in their day-to-day life, that they would pause and just connect with you or reconnect with you. I pray that you would bring people in their life to encourage them and link arms with them as well. Pray that you would help them to activate their faith and encourage their children. I pray that this book would be a blessing to all of them as well, that they would know um, that faith building can and should be fun and help them to build beautiful memories with their family as they seek to love and serve you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Katie, your book is called Dishing Up Devotions. When is it coming out again? It releases October 26th, but it is available for pre-order everywhere books are sold. And if you pre-order, what what do they get? Yeah, so I have actually created an amazing 140-page bundle that I'm giving you for free if you pre-order the book. Pre-orders help so much because they help us make sure we have enough copies on hand and really know where to be able to get those to you. So this bundle has everything from Grow Your Faith Bingo and Bible Charades to some beautiful gratitude prayer journals and even a sneak peek devotion that's formatted just like the book, but it'll help you work on gratitude in your home right now. So you can download that. It's got a delicious recipe. It's one of my go-to recipes in there for some little mini bunt cakes, uh, gluten-free actually. A lot of the book has some gluten-free uh, options in there for you. But so you can go to that. She's got that on the screen. But when you pre-order the book, you just put in your receipt number there and you get instant access to download that. And it's just, again, fun, simple, inexpensive ways that you can connect with your kids in a very intentional way. And I think that's one of the big thing about COVID has created people connecting with each other in, in intentional ways. As before, people were like so busy that they weren't even stopping and having dinner together. Now they're realizing they need to get back to those ways of being intentional and simple ways. Yes. And these are very short, like all the family activities that I have in there. I, I am a Pinterest dropout. I am not the best at that. And so these are simple things that you can do at home and in your neighborhood. So, and just for a few minutes a week, it's, it's written as 36 because it's meant to kind of go along with the school year. So it's just one a week. You can do it in any order. You can do it whenever it might be. You just do once a month, but it's there for you when you need it. Or let's say your kid is struggling and you're all having a hard time with patience. You flip open to the patients chapter and you've got some great object lessons and some encouragement and a conversation starter to help you address it right there. So it's really going to be that manual that you can hold on to. And it's a great way to supplement homeschooling as well to use as a resource for your homeschooling. Yes, absolutely. Homeschool curriculums can get very in-depth and intensive, and this is really meant to make homeschooling easy and deliciously fun. I love that. Deliciously fun. So tell people where they can find you at. Absolutely. So you can join my Grow Your Faith family. I would love to have you part of our Grow Your Faith family. You can subscribe at katiejtrent.com. 
Uh, and on there, you'll find all sorts of resources for faith, family, and homeschool. I love creating freebies. I do giveaways regularly on the blog of different books and resources I come across. So I love to bless my readers. Uh, you can also find me on all social media outlets at Katie J. Trent. Uh, on Pinterest, I'm at Grow Your Faith, but everywhere else, it's just at Katie J. Trent. So I'd love to connect with you and share life. I'm always available if you want to ask me any questions. Uh, you need prayer. You can always reach out to me, and I love getting to hear from you. I love that. I love the fact that you're open to people reaching out to you for prayer. That is so amazing. You don't hear a lot of people that are like, oh, if you need prayer, reach out to me. It's always, oh, if you need advice or you need this, but I love that. Yes. It's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, like I get so distracted on Facebook or social media and not because of other things, but because there's so many needs and I find myself scrolling and then spending time praying for all of the people that I love and people that I've connected with through social media that are hurting because all around us, people are in need of encouragement. So true. Katie, I want to thank you so much for coming on and for sharing. And I cannot wait to grab your book. I mean, I, I'm like, oh, it sounds so good, even though I'm not a homeschooling mom, but I was a former teacher, so I totally understand elementary school, so I totally can understand that, and I'm probably going to be sharing it with a lot of my teacher friends that are elementary school teachers as well. Yay, thank you so much, Melissa. It's an honor to connect with you. I love what you're doing here and how you're inspiring other people, so it's so fun to chat with you from your blog cabin. So guys, I will put in the show notes all the places where you can find Katie as well as where you can grab her book and then go in and download that free once you put once you buy once you pre-order the book, go ahead and be able to download that free um, guide that she created for you as well as her blog. Her blog sounds amazing. I need to go check that out. That's the only thing I did not check out before I we came on Tay. So um We'll hear more from her soon because I'm on her launch team and she's going to be giving me a commercial. So we're going to be dropping some commercials up here to help her out. So guys, I cannot tell you enough that just listening to her talk about this book, you know, it's going to bless you. Whether you're a homeschool mom or just a regular mom or just someone who's going through life right now, I have a feeling it's going to bless all walks of life. Even a, a guy, I think it would probably bless as well. Definitely. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's been an honor talking with you. So guys, uh, most importantly, I want you guys to have a great day. Be blessed and keep chatting. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.